Bellator Champion Series is back in action Friday, May 17th, live from Paris, France. Reigning bantamweight champ Patchy Mix defends his belt in a rematch against dangerous submission specialist Magomed Magomedov. And Cedric the Best Doombay makes his Bellator debut in front of a home Paris crowd versus Jaleel the Realist Willis. Don't miss the action live at noon EST on HBO here in the U.S. And visit bellator.com watch for information on how to watch around the world. This is the very first time you'll be able to stream a Cedric Doombay fight here in the U.S., so make sure you don't miss it. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's Insight Assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. Them horns, baby. Them horns. Mmm. Mixed martial arts. Mixed martial arts. How do we like our martial arts? We like them mixed. Woo! Well, I think mix is uh, an appropriate word for what has gone down today and... I mean, I don't really know what to say. I, I think I'll start this <laughs> off by saying that oftentimes we are very negative when it comes to the quote-unquote MMA gods. The MMA gods give it. They take it away. They usually take it away more than they giveth. This is a little different because how we were feeling when we woke up this morning, we were feeling a certain way, and then all of a sudden something really bad happens at weigh-ins and Hamza Shemaev misses weight by seven and a half pounds and we're thinking to ourselves, oh my God, what's going to happen now? And for once, the MMA gods, they shine down upon Las Vegas, Nevada and they made things right. We actually have a better card 24 hours away from UFC 279. We have a brand new main event, Nate Diaz versus Tony Ferguson. The fight we should have gotten in the first place. Hamzat Shemaev still remains on the card. He will take on Kevin Holland in the five-round co-main event. Lee Jing Liang, what a gangster he is, fighting a man who weighed almost 10 pounds heavier than him and Daniel Rodriguez. Props to all of these guys who are stepping up and shifting things around. And I'm excited to talk about it with all of you. I am Mike Heck. Thank you for joining us for this live UFC 279 preview show. Once again, being joined by Shaheen Alshadi. I feel like I've just seen you for like two hours straight. Let's go, Mike Heck. (laughs) And of course, we have to put the cherry on top of the positivity Sunday with the prince himself, Alexander K. Lee. Look at him. Look, he's like he just spent a week in Puerto Vallarta. Look how tan he looks. Dude looks ready to go. He's shining. So, AK, I want to start with you because we haven't gotten your reaction to all of these changes. The way you woke up today, the way you felt about this card compared to where it's at right now, where are you at? What has this day been like for you? Mike, somehow 
the UFC chose the path of most resistance putting this card <laughs> putting this card together and yet and yet ended up with the card that it should have been all along I mean, this is classic falling upwards. If you want to talk about how, like how why the UFC is so great, I mean, one thing it's ability to kind of shift and adapt, and that's fine. Credit credit to them, credit to the team, everyone behind the scenes, all the managers of fighters who you know who make these things happen. Um, so credit to all those people for sure. But also, man, it's just like it, this company really just can't fail. Like, I mean, this this for for almost any other sporting organization. And it's impossible to compare again, you know, like whatever an NFL event or a, you know an NBA event, whatever you want to call, to uh, to like a UFC event like this. But for them to hit this kind of like this kind of road bump, it would just be it, it would it would be extremely damaging to the product and the brand. Um, for the UFC, again, somehow that is not the case. Somehow everyone, at least if we're just kind of glancing at social media, everyone seems to agree. Like, well, you know, it's really bad that Cobb's not miss weight. But look at these great fights we ended up with, which we wanted all along. Nate Diaz, Tony Ferguson, great fight. Should have happened years ago. Uh, uh, Hamza, Kevin Holland, bad blood. I mean, these guys have been trying to fight each other forever. Even, even Lee Jingliang versus Deion Rodriguez. It feels like he was taking place at catchweight. But it feels like a meaningful welterweight contest with stakes. Like, like you know, whoever wins that fight is actually going to advance uh, up the rankings. And again, this is not what, the, as Mike, as you're talking about, this is not what we were looking forward to. Uh, this morning, this morning we had a whole, we had all these other narratives in play. Uh, you know, what does this mean for Nate Diaz? What does it mean for Hamza? Because this crazy matchup, no one's not coming. Why is why is uh, Tony Ferguson fighting Li Jingliang? We had so many questions, and now that we've settled on the card that we have, the questions like just don't seem as as uh, bizarre anymore. It seems like we just have very nice looking top three um, fights on this main card, and. If if I hadn't just lived through it for the last like twelve hours, I would not have believed how it came together. <laughs> there, this will be a great thirty for thirty someday. The 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 changing of the of the UFC two seventy nine lineup. Sean, I talked to you about this right before we went live. We reacted to it. Poetic was a word that was thrown out quite a bit. But when I saw the actual graphic, watching it on the UFC YouTube channel of the ceremonial weigh-in, when I saw the actual graphic and Joe Rogan talking over it with a picture of Nate Diaz on one side and a picture of Tony Ferguson on the other side, and Tony gets up to the scale and he talks to Joe Rogan. He says, get your popcorn and your blue slushies ready because we're going to have some effing fun out here. And then Nate cuts his promo, putting Tony over. I mean, this is feel-good television, is it not? Let's go, Mike. Yes, absolutely. Are you kidding me? Oh my God. Some what a day, man. Like sometimes truth is stranger than fiction. And this is one of those days where truth is infinitely more strange than fiction could ever be. The blood god give the blood gods taketh away often from us. The MMA gods are very cruel to us, but God, they giveth us something today. Like this was nuts the way that this all plays out and the way that we sort of end up with the fights that we should have had regardless because i understand i've already seen some people sort of picking at this of like oh you're you're excited about a main event where the two guys are like one and seven in their last eight that's not what this is about and if you think that's what this is about you're you just a bad mma fan regardless it's two legitimate legends of the game and they deserve to go out in better ways than they were going to go out because we all know what this was initially, what UFC 279 was going to be initially. It was, hey, 
Nate Diaz, this guy who's sort of been a thorn in our side if you're the UFC, but has made us insane amount of money and who for so long we took advantage of to such a, an extreme degree, right? Like I pointed this out earlier in the day, but this is a guy who in 2015 made 16 grand in year seven of his UFC career. Three fights removed from challenging for the lightweight title. He made 16 grand to lose to the guy, Rafael Dos Anjos, who was about to fight for the lightweight title and win it. He made 16 grand to win that fight. That was seven years ago. And now all of a sudden he was going to get pushed out the door uh, against the bad stylistic matchup against a guy they were trying to paint as the next superstar of this division the next champion in this division and just get thrown out like old news and instead he gets a fight again a much more reasonable competitive fight against a fellow legend of the game someone who has been in the trenches who has been who deserving of this spot for a long time and that's right when you say you know you had a moment uh watching those weigh-ins uh just you know an appreciation for for what we're getting here for tony ferguson and all of it i'm right there with you mike i had a little moment earlier where it's just like man Tony finally got it. Like Tony, the, the luck finally came back around the other way. Tony finally ended up on the good side of the luck because you know me, I've been the driver of the Tony Ferguson bandwagon for like a decade at this point. This is a guy who is one of the greatest lightweights of all time. He's one of the greatest lightweights to ever put on a pair of four ounce gloves. He deserved a big fight for years Four years. He, he had an unprecedented win streak at, in the lightweight division. There has never been someone who has won as many fights as him and not challenged for an undisputed title. He, he had earned a fight against Conor McGregor, a big giant payday to sort of make it for his career. He earned that. He didn't get it. He earned a fight like Nate Diaz or like Habib Nurmagomedov or whatever, and he never ever got it he stood he stepped up in the middle of a pandemic first guy to step up and say hey i don't care i'm gonna give away my spot i'm gonna wager my spot against justin gaethje because the people need entertainment in these really dark times he lost and ever since since then and he has just gotten eulogies written after him he's saying he should be of this and he was just going to go out in the game never having had that big payday. And now, 24 hours before before a card where, again, a lot of us, myself included, someone who is, again, the Tony Ferguson bandwagon driver, saying, why are you going to welterweight? Why why on earth is the UFC booking this fight against Li Jinglong? None of this makes any sense at all. All of a sudden, Tony Ferguson's fighting Nate Diaz, probably for much, 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 much more money than he was ever going to make beforehand. It's a fight that we should have had a long time ago. And again, just it's such a fitting way for these two guys to go out. I know this isn't the end for Tony, but it probably is the end for Nate. And it's it's just at least something for at the end of Tony's career for him to hold on to and to get this kind of opportunity. It's beautiful, Mike. It's absolutely beautiful. It's poetic justice. I, I The way this came together is, again, the most bizarre Thing I've ever seen. I've been in this industry a decade. I've never seen something come together in the way that this came together, but it is poetic justice. It's beautiful, and I love it. It's a... Yes. I was hoping the horns were going to come, and they were well-deserved there. It's amazing how anybody complains about this, if we're being honest, because these are the same people who, back in the spring, were like, ooh, I have to watch WrestleMania so I can watch 57-year-old Steve Austin go toe-to-toe with Kevin Owens. I mean, come on. We get two OGs, two fun fighters. Whether they win or whether they lose, they're going to go in there and scrap. And these two guys, while they have a ton of respect for each other, are just going to go in and get after it. There's no questions about Nate. We don't have to think about a, a, a terribly sad ending here. We potentially could have seen two very sad endings on this card. Instead, we get two guys who deserve this opportunity, deserve this spot. There should have been a freaking fight to be made in the first place. And here we are, those two guys getting after it to close the show. This is a way better card than it was before. Uh, 
We do have betting lines here. This is obviously the cards have been updated. Tony Ferguson is the favorite. It was minus 135. Some money's coming in on Nate already. It's minus 125. Come back on Nate is plus 105. So it's a pretty close fight. AK, what? I mean, obviously the names are great. We want to have these two guys fight each other and get these great opportunities. But when you look at this matchup stylistically now, this is obviously not Nate versus Hamzad. This is not Tony versus Lee Jingliang. This is the fight that should have been all along. How do you break this one down? How do you look at it from a stylistic perspective? What, what should we, is there really, are, are we even thinking about game plans or we just chuck it all that out the window and let's just go in there and throw hands at each other? No, of course. But listen, both guys want to win. Right? Both guys have pride. I mean, they're definitely going to go in there and and want to put on a, a fight of the night level performance. I mean, this is now your immediate front runner. Apologies to everyone else, all the other fighters in the card, but you are you are essentially a, a, at a deficit right now because they they are they are saving that fifty thousand dollar those two fifty thousand dollar bonus checks probably for Nate Diaz and Tony Ferguson. Um, it's going to be a five rounder, which is great. Uh, these 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 guys are going to get time to work, time to build up, time to taunt, time to ha- really have some fun with it. Um, a three rounder would have been great too, but a five rounder, it it really feels like these two deserve it. Um, Nate Diaz was already prepared for one. Tony Ferguson scheduled for a three rounder. You know he's always ready to go five, so that's exciting. Um, yeah, I I think the great thing is, as we said, like both guys are like they want to win, but they're gonna also they know it doesn't really matter um, as far as their like Tony Ferguson has lost four straight fights. If he loses a fifth one, I mean, I honestly, oddly, I don't think that's going to necessarily mean he gets released. Normally you lose five straight, you're gone. I don't think that's a factor here. I think everyone agreeing to this reshuffling um, is probably going to put them in a good light with the UFC. He is also moving up um, a weight class, which is good. So, you know, whatever happens, should he lose Nate Diaz, they probably say, well, you know, one more kick of the can at 170. Let's see how it goes. So, um, yeah, he's kind of free, free to do what he wants and, and free to have this, this dream fight with Diaz that guys like him have been chasing for so long. Uh, and for Nate, of course, we've talked a lot about this very, very, very likely being his last fight um who knows maybe the ufc makes a dream offer um if he gets a win and, and they somehow bring him back but it seems like that both sides are pretty content to part ways after this again the ufc kind of ready to move on from the uh nate diaz saga uh they've done a lot of good business together nate diaz of course aiming for uh, opportunities outside the ufc including very likely a fight with uh with jake paul which will make him uh maybe more money than he's ever made uh, in the UFC. Um, so yeah, but so knowing all that, knowing that we don't care about rankings, this isn't for uh, a contendership. Um, and both guys are just really seem to have a respect for each other. Uh, but not in the way that, you know, they won't be willing to beat, beat each other's brains in. Uh, yeah, it's super exciting. So I do think we're going to see a fight that's both guys want to win for sure, but also heavy, heavy, heavy emphasis on entertainment. And, uh, yeah, if they get a, both get a $50,000 check out of it, then, uh, you know, they're going to enjoy that as well. AK, I forgot to ask you, what's what's the new gymnastic scale? Oh gosh, uh, it's it's higher. It's, it has to be higher now. Right? I'll say I, first. I'll say I threw up a poll. Uh, what do you think <laughs> of the UFC? What do you think of the UFC 279 lineup shakeup? And I don't think I've ever seen any of the polls I've thrown up be so unanimous in one direction. Uh, better or worse, 89% say better. So overwhelming, overwhelming. I think people are like us. They're like, yeah, why wasn't this the card to begin with? So I think. Uh, Earlier, uh, we were kind of looking ahead to this, Mike. I was like, it's kind of like in the low eights range, which for a pay-per-view is really bad. Like a pay-per-view should start at like nine. Um, so if you're falling into the eight range, that's like, again, you know, a good fight night or something like that. Um, so it's definitely higher than that. I'll, I'll go as high as a nine now, nine, 9.1, 9.2, because I do think we could see something special in the main event. 
I love the Shemaev Holland matchup. I know we'll talk about that more. Like that's a fight we've wanted to see for so long. And I even think that Li Jinglang and uh, and Daniel Rodriguez is, is a is a nice matchup. It's a really nice um, you know welterweight as catchweight matchup. So uh, yeah, and it, I'm judging the rest of the card. Honestly, I don't think it's that bad. Maybe because because we've sort of talked ourselves into it. So I'll be happy to say nine point one, nine point two. If if everything goes well and we don't have any like you know major clunkers. Shaw, we talk a lot about some of these main events and co-main events, mixed martial arts competitions, like high-level martial arts competitions. I'm not saying that these fights aren't, but I feel like the front runner in this conversation is actually the Daniel Rodriguez Li Jingliang fight. I feel like the other two are just going to be freaking fights. Like Nate and Tony are just going to get in there and fight. And it's, this is all respect there. Hamza Chemayan and Kevin Holland are going to fight. It's much more personal there, but how do you view this new main event from like a stylistic perspective? Because the way I see it, these two dudes are just going to fight. They're just going to have a fight for as long as this thing lasts, which could go the full 25. Yeah, it's it's a much more fitting way for this event to end because it felt like in the initial permutation of it, right, between the, the, the co-main event and the main event, it just felt like we were going to have a bad time. Like we we're going to leave the, the event feeling bad to some degree about what we just watched. I don't know that that's going to be the case anymore. Like Nate Diaz and Tony Ferguson are on similar levels and trajectories at their, you know, the late stages of their career. They're both very competitive. They have very nice styles that match up too. Like this is just like something we haven't even talked about throughout the, this whole past 12 hours, but like, Nate Diaz and Tony Ferguson are both excellent boxers, boxers, very creative with very creative groundwork who just generally are down to scrap, who are going to get bloody, who are going to brawl and who are just going to bring a really good show. And like that, if that, if that's what we get for 25 minutes or however long this lasts, that is wonderful. That is a much better situation than whatever we were probably going to get. And I'm here for it. And same with the, with the co-main event. Like this is maybe not the, the, the way that we were looking to see Kevin Holland tested of like, Hey, have you figured out your wrestling yet? Like, Oh, Hey, here's the, one of the best wrestlers in the UFC today. Like deal with it. But regardless, like this is an interesting spot to see Hamzat Shamaya function. And because it did feel like this whole week, I don't want to say the moment was getting to him a little too much, but it did feel like the moment was a little big for him and that he was handling it in a strange way. And I don't know, maybe this is a smaller step down. Maybe we'll see, you know, what happens when this guy actually has bad blood. We just saw at the presser yesterday that these guys do not like each other. They have feuded for uh, over a year at this point. I think stylistically, obviously, Hamzad is the favorite in the co-main event, and I'm sure we'll get into it. But just generally, the way both these fights square up, how they match up, the the, the intangibles with both guys, just the the bare facts, the tail of the tape, like all of this is much better. And you're right, uh, uh, the third fight, Rodriguez versus Leach, which, by the way, we haven't given credit yet to Leach. I think we need to give massive amount of credit to Leach because this is a guy who bought the the sleekest, cleanest new suit that no one really got a chance to see. Like, that suit was spectacular. So kudos to you, Leach. I hope you get a chance to use that at some point in the post-fight presser or wherever. I hope you show up at the arena with it because that was just that was, mwah, that was clean as hell. Bought that suit, didn't get a chance, and now he has to fight a much smaller name than he was going to fight. Daniel Rodriguez rather than Tony Ferguson. And also, by the way, someone who's like 10 pounds heavier than him. So, you know, that dude is the ultimate badass. All of this is just the way I, I can't say it enough, but the way all this played out is just so much more compelling, so much more interesting than what we were going to get. And credit to everyone involved. I hope all of them made infinitely bigger paydays than they were going to. And I think anyone, any fan who is disrespecting anybody involved in this whole process, other than perhaps the man who missed weight by seven and a half pounds, 
what are you doing? Because all these guys just put this together at the last second and agreed. To, a lot of them agreed to terms that were worse off for them. And it's just going to be a beautiful, beautiful card compared to what we were going to get. We'll dive in more into the co-main event in a moment. Um, Nate Diaz, I mean, Tony, we talked about what Tony Ferguson said to get the crowd all riled up. Nate Diaz cuts an all-time promo on his final, what seems to be his final ceremony away in the UFC taking shots at Habib, taking shots at Shemaev, and he just went over like Rover. So let's just make a pick here because I feel like at the end of this, we're just going to be so giddy with what we saw between these two guys. Let's just let's just get into the picks, AK. This is not what we expected. And hearing hearing the word on this preview show, wonderful, so many times is not something I expected. <laughs> but, but, but now, because of this card, we're hearing it. So AK... Who gets this thing done tomorrow? Now you have to redo all your predictions and get that all prepped. Is it going to be Nate Diaz leaving the UFC, at least for now, coming off of a victory? Or is Tony Ferguson going to spoil the the party here? Joke's on you, my best friend. Uh, I didn't start the predictions. Always. <laughs> always. When you're, when you're, when you're, if you, listen, tip out there for anyone who wants to work in the MA field, who ends up doing predictions, always procrastinate. Always procrastinate. I knew that something funny was going to happen. I think we all did. Um, it's crazy to me because in my mind, if this fight had happened like a year ago, if this fight happened two years ago, three years ago, in my mind, Tony Ferguson is a better fighter than Nate Diaz. I'm pretty sure. But I also have said, I think the last two times Tony fought, that I would never pick uh, – which fight was it? I think it was after the – I don't want to say the Del Bronx fight. It was after the – The Darius fight. The Darius fight. I was like, I, I can't, I, I can't pick Tony again. I, I have to set a rule. I can't pick Tony again, um, barring like some bizarre, you know, him being booked into some like clear mismatch in his favor. And that is not what this is. That's not what this is. Uh, whether whether Diaz has one door, one foot out the door or not, when he gets in there, he's almost always motivated. So um, unless we think he's going to do the, you know, <laughs> what Jed and Damon have been screaming for, for him to just throw the fight and leave the octagon, uh, I, I think he wins this. Uh, I think Diaz wins this one. I just think he's got a little bit more. A little bit more left in the tank. Uh, I hope Tony proves me wrong. Like I said, I hope we at least get a super competitive fight. Um, but I like Diaz over five rounds. Uh, I, I, I just like, I think he wins a stand-up battle. I, I, I like him in this one. So, um, yeah, hashtag Diaz Army, I guess. Sean, I feel like if Tony was fighting Li Jing Liang, Hamza Shamaya for freaking Godzilla, you're picking Tony Ferguson anyways, just because you pick with your heart in these types of situations. But now we have a much more even matchup in a lot of ways. Will Tony Ferguson get it done? Will he send Nate Diaz off with a, probably a fight of the night bonus, but a loss? Or does Nate Diaz leave with a victory? Look, Mike Heck, I am nothing if not a loyal man. I am I'm a very, <laughs> very loyal man. Uh, you're right. I, I'm, I'm going to make the pick regardless. But this is one of this truly is one of those fights. It's such a cliche to say, but it is truly one of those fights where you kind of wish both guys could win. Like if, that, if they could figure out some way to do that, like I would be here for that. But you got to remember, like, I, I know the Michael Chandler knockout kind of clouds how we are thinking of Tony Ferguson right now, at least as a sport. Like, that was a really, really bad knockout, probably knockout of the year if Leon Edwards didn't just do what he did to Kamara Usman. Tony Ferguson looked pretty good in that first round. Like, he arguably won that first round against Michael Chandler. I At, at the end of that first round in that fight, I was like, hey, man, that's kind of like some throwback Tony. Like, maybe he does still have a little bit left in the tank, and then he gets hit with what he gets hit with. Nate Diaz isn't Michael Chandler, and then he's not going to come to this fight bringing tons of power shots and huge kicks and things like that. Like, we know what we're going to see from Nate Diaz. It's going to be a volume boxing attack with some slick grappling. 
that's very much what Tony seems like he can handle historically and especially at this point in his career. I think this is a very, very legitimately intriguing and winnable fight for Tony Ferguson from a stylistic perspective. And again, I saw enough from that the first round of that Michael Chandler fight to not write this guy off as all the way done. Like he's Tony Ferguson to me still feels like he has some left in the tank. Uh, maybe just not against these top five, top seven, top 10 guys anymore, but I don't think that's what Nate Diaz is either. I like the idea of Tony Ferguson being at 170, not having to do that weight cut. That was always a difficult weight cut for him. I like the idea of him be, having branched out over the past few months, exploring different teams, different coaches, various you know just opportunities that he didn't really explore or enjoy for most of his career. He was kind of doing it himself, and now he's sort of looking for help, and it seems to have filled in a little bit of the gaps. This is a different Tony Ferguson than we saw a couple months ago against Michael Chandler. And also, I will say... Do we know how much Nate Diaz cared about this fight in terms of preparation for when it, when it came to Hamza Shmaev? It felt like Nate was not coming into this. Try, I, w- I don't want to say not trying, but it felt like Nate was maybe letting it go a bit coming into this. Like, whatever, let's just get this done and then we can move on to what's next. You can't change that overnight. That's sort of still sort of how he's coming into it, if that's how he was going to come into it. Obviously, that's me speculating. All of that is a roundabout way to say Tony Ferguson's going to get this done and he's going to... I'm not going to say he's going to be back, but Tony Ferguson is going to get another win. And it's been a long time. We've been waiting for it. I'm calling it. So I'm going to, I'm with you. I wish we could have a draw scenario where both guys actually won. There were, there's no disappointment or anything like that. Both guys feel like winners. And I feel like we're all going to feel like winners when this is all said and done. I'm going to go with maybe the best case scenario. Nate Diaz wins a very close split decision. It's a fight that we're all going to be applauding when it's all over. These two guys are going to be bloody. They're going to leave it all in the octagon. Nate's literally going to leave the octagon for the final time, at least for now, who knows if he comes back in the future, but it's going to be such a good fight that we're not going to even really be thinking about who won and who lost. I think both guys stocks are going to rise. I think it's just going to be a super fun fight. And I think we're going to end the night in a way where, Chaos will probably ensue for 25 minutes, but we're going to feel good about it. We're going to, we're going to feel good about it. We're going to come back on the post fight show. We're going to be singing Kumbaya. We're going to be very positive about all of this because this ended in just the most perfect way for Nate, for Ferguson, for all of us in the end for the UFC. Cause I think the business is going to be a lot better with how this all shaped up. It's just one of those situations where we're like, wow, We don't get to talk about such positivity so much, but at the end of this night, I think we're going to be feeling a certain way. I think we're going to be feeling good about ourselves and we're going to be feeling good about Nate's future. We're going to be feeling good about Tony Ferguson's future. Everybody wins, but I think Nate's going to win a decision. It's just going to be a fun, fun fight and I can't wait to see it. So the Bellator champion series is back in action Friday, May 17th live from Paris, France. Reigning bantamweight champ Patchy Mix defends his belt in a rematch against dangerous submission specialist Magomed Magomedov. And Cedric the Best Doombay makes his Bellator debut in front of a home Paris crowd versus Jaleel the Realist Willis. Don't miss the action live at noon EST on HBO here in the U.S. And visit bellator.com slash watch for information on how to watch around the world. This is the very first time you'll be able to stream a Cedric Bay fight here in the U.S., so make sure you don't miss it. 
Let's get to the real heat, ladies and gentlemen. Let's get to this co-main event. Five rounds. Hamzat Shemaev, who, like we talked about earlier, massive weight miss. He didn't seem to really care all that much that he had a massive weight miss, even saying something to the effect of, eh, that's not so bad. That he flips people off, that he's posting all these weird photos on social media of him and Darren Till all blown up, these memes, all sorts of craziness. And even... I, I just want to start here, Sean, because we talked a lot about this on the Twitter space. New York Rick comes in and says that in a weird way, we should all be thanking Hamzat Shemaev for missing weight <laughs> because it all led to this. And we even joked that we're going to title this UFC 279 post-fight show. Thank you, Hamzat. But Ham, we were wondering how Hamzat was going to lean into this. Was he just going to be like, all right, you know, whatever. Or was he going to be a, just lean in and be a full on heel and he just ran to that stage, gets in Holland's face, security's there breaking him up, and Joe Rogan goes and talks to him, and he cuts a freaking heel promo and a half. How would you grade what Hamzat Shemaev did at this ceremonial weigh-ins with this new fight, everything involved? Did he did he just kill it? Did he just knock an A-plus considering how bad the situation was eight hours ago? Uh, well, first, I have to say kudos to Kyle Johnson in the comments who wrote, can't wait for Tony to throw imaginary sand at Nate's face and really cracked me up during that. I was giggling that whole time I was on mute. Um, I, how did Hamza do? I mean, I'm taking this as a whole, not from just the weigh-ins, but the whole day. Like, I know we're all happy about how this turned out, but that we are looking at one of the all-time bag fumblings that this man just did. Like, this is crazy how badly Hamzat Shemaya botched this whole week, right? Because this was a guy who, again, we have talked about it for weeks at this point, months, since this fight was booked. This was essentially a golden ticket to stardom to a certain degree, right? Like, Hamzat Shemaya has been obviously pinpointed by the UFC as the next guy, the next mainstream star, the next champion in this division. So what are you going to do? You throw him against Nate Diaz. All of us within the space saw it for what it was. All of us within at like general MMA hardcores, fans, et cetera, people who are watching the show right now, we understood what this was. But you look on the outside, you look at the casual fans, the people who know maybe three or four UFC fighters total. Nate Diaz is one of those guys, and it was very clear that this was the chance for Hamzat Shemaev to become one of those guys by the end of Saturday night. And if not, at least be known as to the casual fan as, oh, that's that really scary bearded dude who just ground Nate Diaz into a fine powder. Like, that was what this was going to be for him. And he was going to get the next title shot against the winner uh, of the trilogy fight between Usman and Edwards. He was probably just going to be able to sit out and enjoy you know, himself for a while and then come in once whenever that was done and just get the next one. And it was destined for him. Like, this is the path that had been laid out in front of him. And he totally just blew it all within a span of like 24 hours. Like it is crazy to the degree to which he bungled this. Uh, and now we're left in a point where he was just getting booed. Like he was just getting massive, massive boos, like like nuclear heat in that arena in Las Vegas. I think he did not endear himself to a lot of the MMA community uh, in terms of the fan base with the way he handled you know, the way in miss, but also just like the, how unapologetic he was about it, where he's just like posting yeah. memes and he's just kind of like flipping off the cameras and, and giggling and, and stuff like I, you miss weight by seven and a half pounds for a main event that you're about to make millions of dollars for. Like that's a very, very bizarre reaction to have in my eyes. And I think a lot of people see that and, and that doesn't sit well with them. Um, obviously this is all short term, right? Like he, the MMA fan base has a very short-term memory where if Hamzat comes out there, demolishes Kevin Holland within a round, and then just cuts a, a you know a great promo, I'm sure he'll be back in the good graces of people pretty quickly. But this does, in the long term, 
delay what it felt like and maybe still is inevitable when it comes to this guy because he is definitely not going to get the next title shot with if, even if he beats Kevin Holland on Saturday. Like Hamzat Shamayev will have to fight somebody else. He is not going to get rewarded by the UFC and allowed to sit out and wait the winner of this trilogy regardless of how dominant he is or is not on Saturday. Like he cost himself quite a bit probably of money I would imagine but also just quite a bit of standing within this division at least in the short term with the way he handled it. So sure like he's leaning into it at weigh-ins which that's cool that's there's two ways to handle it right you're apologetic or you just lean real hard and you sort of be the heel if you want to use pro wrestling terms he's, he's choosing the latter that's an interesting way to do it uh that certainly sort of changes i think the way we're going to look at him at shamaya moving forward it, it felt like the whole smash you smash you sort of vibe that he was rolling with we had kind of run its course a bit we talked about this earlier i think on our twitter spaces but this is maybe now his new thing. He's going to kind of just play the heel a little bit. That's interesting. But he did certainly cost himself quite a bit, I would say, short-term and long-term when it comes to this division. And it's just a very bizarre day and, and handled very, very strangely. A hundred percent. And he is at fault for, for all of this crazy day. It's all about him. In the end, we get a great result because the MMA gods were in a good mood. Maybe they didn't have a couple of 40s last night. They woke up feeling fresh, no hangover, and they they took that good energy and they placed it upon the rest of us. So, AK, we, we, we talked about Shemayev and Diaz and what was at stake, and it felt like Hamzat had obviously all the pressure on him to kind of just put this guy out to pasture for the UFC and so forth, and he seemed to like this. And while that was a must-win fight – now he's in this situation because Sean mentioned how he's bungled the bag, he's dropped the ball, and this big weight miss, and how fans are viewing him right now compared to where, where we were in April during UFC 273 when the guy was the freaking talk of the town in Jacksonville, Florida. So what happens if Hamza Shemaev loses to Kevin Holland tomorrow? Is this the fastest Ooh. fall from grace you have ever seen? Because we've seen some big ones, and we could do a whole list about them, but to see what has happened in the last 24 hours, if he goes out and loses to Kevin Holland, if Kevin Holland just punches him right in his face and knocks him out in the second round of this fight, how bad is this for Hamza Chimaev? Can he come back from this? Uh, first, let me say, uh, New York Rick and I are kindred spirits. We tend to agree on a lot of things. I'm actually kind, we, we are brothers, brothers in arms against the rising tide of open scoring. And that's a whole other discussion which we don't need to get into right now. <laughs> Uh, and so part of me, like when he brought up, he, he's doing this whole hashtag thank you Hamzat thing. Uh, I mean, I, I was raising my eyebrow at first, but now I'm kind of like, okay, I'm starting to see a side of it. I do kind of understand it's it's changing his gimmick a little bit, as you would say, kind of in pro wrestling. It's kind of a new gimmick. It's definitely turning heel, whether he intended to or not at the beginning of the week. Uh, and as we know, bad behavior is very often rewarded in MMA. However... However, Mike, as you have posed in your question, uh, all of that, all of this stuff we were talking about, his shift in personality and shift in um, how people are perceiving him, is pretty dependent on him, uh, you know, continuing this unbeaten streak. Because that, because you need to do that so people have that. Oh, I want to see this guy. I will tune in every time this guy fights. I want to see the one who knocks this guy off. There's probably some appeal in that with Habib as well. Um, I don't know, you know, I don't know if he was a full-on heel necessarily. I think he was pretty well liked, but definitely. People watch him. Uh, Floyd Mayweather, you know, if we want to go to boxing, there you go. I'm definitely a huge heel. Um, people always want to see Mayweather lose. So there's an appeal to that. There's an appeal in being that bad guy and people want to see you um, as soon as you catch that zero. I'm uh, sorry, lose that zero, excuse me, which is uh, as Shamaya has been very impressive in the cage so far. So losing on Saturday, 
to Kevin Holland, I mean, I think pretty devastating. It's a guy also he's had beef with, so this isn't some rando. This is a guy who's been saying for a long time that that uh, you know he he can beat Shamayev. He's got the skills to do it. Um, it it's the it's. Uh, it's it's going to draw a lot of attention to this fight because it's personal and that's great, but it just raises the stakes to another level. Because yeah, he has said so. He's talked so much. Kelvin Holland has talked so much. He cannot lose to this guy. It's as devastating as when you know Colby Covington was trash talking people and Colby Covington lost to them. A lot. I, I would say a lot of people um, that uh, Colby beat his rivalries, uh, Jorge Masvidal, for example. They're never going to quite recover from those losses. I mean, that's just he's always going to have that on him. And for Kevin Holland to always have this on Shamaya for this loss to hang over him. It, it, it will matter. It will matter to people. Hamza might lose, bounce back, three, four, five straight victories, get himself back in the title conversation at uh, 185 or possibly 205 if, that, if that's in his future. Definitely that could happen for sure, for sure. But it's a long climb back up if he loses to Kevin Holland. I don't care if it's a decision. I don't care if it's like a flash KO. Unless it's some really super weird fluky thing, uh, there's there's a lot on the line here for Hamza. So, yeah, great new character. But he's got to back it up, as he has done many, many, many times in the past. Uh, but especially on Saturday, he's got to do it because uh, otherwise, man, uh, th- those boos uh, from the T-Mobile Arena were very real. And I have a feeling they're going to follow him um, to other venues that he travels to in the future. So uh, good luck, Hamzad, I guess. Yeah. If I Let me add one other yeah, aspect yeah. to this because – I think there is also now just a legitimate question you have to ask regarding Hamza Shemaev moving forward. And we were talking about this much earlier in the day, Mike, me, you and I, where it's just there is now a real question of whether this guy is a welterweight, right? Because we we saw against Gilbert Burns, it was very difficult for him to make the weight that time. And then this time he comes in so heavy. It's one thing to miss weight. It is another thing entirely to just not even get close. Hamza Shemaev was not even remotely close with this one. Seven and a half pounds would have been eight and a half if it was a title fight. If you're the UFC, can you trust this guy now to make 170 on the dot in a title fight? I think that's a very legitimate question that we're going to have just sort of following this guy now. Like, is he a middleweight who is eventually going to end up at middleweight maybe sooner rather than later? 178.5, man. That That is so large for this division i just i feel like there's so many consequences for Hamza shemaev that are going to follow him from this that it's just like it's it's crazy to me again the, the de- degree to which he, he has messed this up it's pretty unbelievable now on the flip side i'll go back to you sean we see kevin holland he's freaking hulk hogan right now he's the guy he is the ultimate baby face. Got a gigantic reaction. He's the guy. And while everything seems to be on the line for Hamza Chimaev, this is as must-win as it gets, considering everything that happened. Kevin Holland, and I know it's getting a little cliche, especially in 2022, to play the house money card. But Kevin Holland is playing with house money right now. Of course he wants to go in there and shut Hamza Chimaev up. Of course he wants to go in there and, and beat this guy and be able to get the rub off of this. But the fact that Kevin Holland is taking this fight against a guy he admitted when talking to Joe Rogan, this is a much tougher fight than Daniel Rodriguez, but he said it's going to be fun. The fact that he is stepping in and fighting freaking Hamza Chimaev, who massively missed weight, he is the man right now, isn't he? I mean, he deserves so much credit. I mean, as you mentioned, all these fighters, everyone involved deserves credit, but Kevin freaking Holland, I feel like this guy is taking the biggest risk of all, but it actually doesn't mean all that much. Losing doesn't hurt him all that much, but if he beats Hamza Shabayev, boy, is he going to reap the benefits. 
oh, there is no question, Mike Heck. Can you imagine a world where after all of this, after all that we have seen this past week, this past year between these two, just in general, the hype, everything, that Kevin Holland is becomes the guy who on 24 hours notice, less than, goes in there and beats Hamzat Shemaev and does it maybe in a way that's convincing, knocking him out or something. Because I assume that's going to be the only way he can win this fight. That man will become a cult hero. The way, the same way that Nate Diaz became a cult hero after he submitted Conor McGregor on very short notice. It's not going to be to that degree, obviously, because that is a very, very unique circumstance. And Conor McGregor is a very, very unique person within our history of our sport. But God damn, man, if Kevin Holland goes in there and does that <laughs> to Hamzaf Shemaev, he is going to be beloved by Pete, by everyone in that arena right now who was booing the hell out of Hamzaf Shemaev. Kevin Holland is going to be absolutely beloved by the MMA fan base. And it's going to be crazy to see because I don't think it's outlandish. I said this before we started recording. I don't think it's outlandish to say that if Kevin Holland wins, he's getting the next title shot. Like just sit and think about it. If you go in there on 25 hours notice and you beat Hamzev Shemaev, who for us is the number three welterweight in the entire world. And I think the UFC probably has him at number two or whatever. If you go in there and beat him on 24 hours notice, that's it. Like you're made. That's it. You, you get the next title shot. You get the chance to whatever. I doubt Kevin Holland would even want to sit out and wait because obviously we have the trilogy to wait for. But I'm just saying like, there is so much for Kevin Holland to gain from this. And you're right. There's not very much for him to lose because I think a lot of us, myself included, I know we're going to make picks soon, but think he's probably going to lose because it's just a very stylistic it's a disadvantaged stylistic matchup for him he has historically struggled against wrestlers we saw it very much at 185 it hasn't been that long since then right like how quickly can you fix that gap in your game again especially against someone like Hamzat Shemaev who is so good at it but man again can you imagine like there are very very few opportunities in MMA where that opportunity is there that moment is there to seize things to change the essence of your entire life and that is what is going on right now for Kevin Holland. This has been a crazy 24 hours for him between yesterday and today. And it can only get crazier if he does what he, what he needs to do tomorrow. All right. Let's get into picks because I do want to give Daniel Rodriguez and Li Jingliang some shine. We'll go to the peeps as well. AK, we begin with you. Let me just pull up the current betting lines here. Hamza Chemayev, minus 580 favorite. Kevin Holland comes back at plus 440. Who gets this done? It's it, it's it, this is Hamza's fights to lose. Uh, as as Shaheen said, uh, historically Kevin Holland's just not great against wrestlers, and now fighting him on on with no preparation. I mean, I'm sure I'm sure in the back of his mind he's always thought he might fought he might have fought Shemaev someday. And obviously, based on some of the losses he took at 185, of course he's worked a lot on his takedown defense and his wrestling. But um, I think you really to even have a chance to Hamza, I think you need to be preparing for him full camp. I don't even know if that would help again, given uh, Holland's takedown defense weakness. Um, so yeah, kudos to to Kevin Holland, the, the Trailblazer, for taking this one. Huge upside. Uh, we say kind of low risk. I'll say it's a little bit more medium risk because I think getting your ass beaten by Hamzat under any circumstances is just not great for you. Um, so I'm not, I'm not overthinking it. Certainly, there's ways that uh, Kevin Holland can win this fight if he's if he's able to keep it on the feet. We've seen Shamayev uh, um, can get a little undisciplined in there. We saw that in the Gilbert Burns fight, and and uh, if he wants to prove something, especially given his the bizarre week he's had, and say like, oh, I can knock him out in the feet, and he can certainly do that too. He's got power, but I mean, on the feet is where Kevin Holland has a chance. On the ground, Shamayev's uh, going to have him for dinner, uh, much like he did plenty of dinners before weighing in on Friday and uh, missing weight. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, wow. AK Lee from Shemayev, the top. Rope. 
Shemayev by submission. Where's the box of redemption chime, Casey? Because, I mean, that's a perfect time for it. Uh, we just went to the, the the land of make-believe, like on Mr. Rogers' neighborhood right there. Unbelievable. AK just chucking strays out there. Sean, seems like you're going the Shemayev route as well. How does he get it done? Yeah, I mean, ultimately, this is just what it is. It's a bad style matchup for Kevin Holland. As fun as all of this has been over the last 12 hours and as interesting of a place we landed, it, it ultimately still is Hamzat Shemayev. Probably by TKO, first or second round. Maybe Holland can, can stretch it to the second. But you know exactly what we're going to see just as well as I do. Hamzat Shemayev is going to get takedown after takedown. He's going to maul Kevin Holland on the ground until that fight is over. Uh, and I think that's just ultimately... It, I would be stunned if it goes the other way. Let's say that. You guys make very great points. This, in most situations, is an easy pick for me. It is a Hamzat Shemayev tackle ground and pound type of scenario where Kevin just gets beat and there's really nothing he could do about it. He's just beat by a grizzly bear, essentially. But I ain't going that way. No. I'm mixing it up. I'm mixing oh it up. Because That's right. What are you doing? Chaos. I'm going to do it. I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm, I'm doubling down on the chaos, and here's why. This has been an emotional week for Hamza Chimaev. The guy, obviously, while he was unapologetic about the weight miss, the fact of the matter is he missed and he struggled badly getting to even to 178 and a half, right? So that plays a factor. The other thing that really plays a factor here is when this first, when this fight was first being discussed, I didn't even think about a five-round factor. I know Kevin asked for it. I still didn't think it would happen, but now we got five rounds. And I view this... Not similarly to how I viewed the, the Shamayev Diaz fight, where the biggest question I have right now is what happens if this fight gets into the third round? Kevin Holland's still gonna be loose as a goose, talking smack, trying to get under Hamzat's skin. Again, it's gonna take a lot for him. He's gonna have to weather a storm or two, but Kevin's a pretty durable dude. And I just see this fight get extended. I, I think Kevin's just gonna have some swagger to him. I think he's gonna have a chip on his shoulder. And I think he knows how tough of a night he could be in for. And he just doesn't give a damn. So I'm going with, with the superhero himself. I'm going with Kevin Holland to survive maybe a 10-8 round, maybe two of them. And this fight gets extended to the championship rounds. And somehow, some way, Kevin Holland gets it done with some crazy ass finish that we didn't see coming. We're going to be standing on our feet, trying not to wake our children up with our screams, but Kevin <laughs> Holland gets it done. Now, if this is any other fight week, any other location, without all of this chaos, I would not view it this way, but I have to take these things into account. How are How is he going to react to the fans when he's fighting? Because in Jacksonville... Those fans went freaking crazy and Gilbert Burns punched him in the face and Hamza's like, oh, I'm not used to this. This is kind of fun. So I'm just going to have fun right back. And now things are personal. Like he legitimately hates Kevin Holland and I'm sure the feeling is mutual. We're going to see Hamza in a couple of different places he hasn't been before. He's going to have this crowd booing the hell out of him. The crowd's going to be chanting Kevin Holland. Kevin's going to be talking smack. And I think... Well, we talk about this week getting to Shemayev. I think this could just be a volcano effect where everything just erupts and Holland reaps the benefits of it. So 
Give me the upset here. I mean, I'm looking at the betting lines. You're giving me Kevin Holland a plus 440 with everything going on. It's a tough bet. You might be reaching a little bit, but there is value considering how this week is gone. And I could take the physical tools into the play, but I could also take the mental tools into play. And it feels like Hamza Shemaev's having a tough time this week. And I think Kevin Holland's going to be rewarded. It's, he ain't going to love it. He's going to be hurting on Sunday, but he's going to be hurting with a victory and probably a post-fight bonus in his bank account. Let's go. Kevin Holland with the upset. Look at All right. that. Wow, the, from, from the man who brought you Roman Kopolov by knockouts, <laughs> Kevin Hong will be. And I was right. You were right. You Touché. were right. Touche. None, none of us Touché. picked it. None of us. None of us picked that. We were. Th- we thought. And, and I think I said you were crazy. So you laugh like you chastised me. I did. That was the first I time cackled. you ever like chastised me. I was. I cackled at you. I cackled at you. The Bellator Champion Series is back in action Friday, May 17th, live from Paris, France. Reigning bantamweight champ Patchy Mix defends his belt in a rematch against dangerous submission specialist Magomed Magomedov. And Cedric the Best Doombay makes his Bellator debut in front of a home Paris crowd versus Jaleel the Realist Willis. Don't miss the action live at noon EST on HBO here in the U.S., and visit bellator.com slash watch for information on how to watch around the world. This is the very first time you'll be able to stream a Cedric Bay fight here in the U.S., so make sure you don't miss it. This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped. Streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. Uh, I do want to talk about Daniel Rodriguez, Lee Jing Liang, because these two guys deserve a ton of credit as well. Daniel Rodriguez did his job, took this fight on two weeks' notice. First fight... After three hand surgeries, been out for almost over a year after the big win over Kevin Lee. This guy was active. He was winning. He should be undefeated in the UFC. And frankly, he should be undefeated in his entire professional career. But he got hosed by judges twice. Once in the regional scene, once in the UFC against Nicholas Dalby. And now he takes on the gangster himself, Lee Jing Liang, who, according to his manager, Tim Simpson, when he was asked about this fight, Lee, as the competitor that he is, said... Okay, no problem. I'll fight this guy. Now, of course, you had to negotiate and make sure it was worth the squeeze. Apparently it is. And now Lee Jing Liang is going to remain on the card. He's going to fight D-Rod. Sean, I love this fight. And if we're talking about like mixing of the martial arts and like actual divisional stakes where, I mean, we're looking at bottom top 15 guys who could make us climb up the ladder rung by damn rung. This is the one. Like this is a this is just a great fight between two really tough guys. It's a yeah, a hundred percent. It's a great fight between two guys who deserve a fight like this. But also, you're right. In, when it comes to the actual rankings themselves, how we view the welterweight division, this is probably the most impactful fight of the three. Just because one of both of these guys are sort of on that periphery, right? They're at least for us on MMA fighting. I think they're both unranked, but they're both receiving votes. Meaning, they're the, people are voting for them to be in the 15, but they're not quite in the 15. So they're just right on that on the edge of that. And it feels like the winner of this will probably bump up into like a 15 or a 14 spot. It's a very competitive fight. And you're right, Daniel Rodriguez, I, I am 
I'm happy for Daniel Rodriguez in that I feel as if obviously the Kevin Holland fight would have been bigger, a bigger name for him, but he has deserved a spot like this for a while. He has been uh, very, very good so far in his UFC run. And I think if you would just throw a fight between him and Lee just on a regular, any old fight night, it maybe wouldn't, it obviously not maybe wouldn't get the kind of buzz that we have been giving it the past day or two. But because of the circumstances and because of the way, this strange way that all of this has played out, and just because of how two, how frankly both these guys are just badasses for rolling with the punches and just going along with this and saying, okay, yeah, we'll just fight whoever you want us to fight at the end of this, despite the fact that we both lost our big name opponents. This fight now has such an increased spotlight than it w- that it wouldn't have had otherwise. And it, is, it really is a, a very cool spotlight for both Daniel Rodriguez, but also Li Jingwang, who has, again, I, I hate to keep bringing it up, but didn't get to wear his damn suit and that suit is so good like that was that was such an excellent suit that's an a plus suit and i have been in that position where you buy like a suit that you feel really great about and then you don't get a chance to wear it you get whatever that is stolen from you it hurts man it really hurts when you don't get that chance to to shine like you know you can shine so i i I love this fight for both these guys i think again it will be a very competitive fight very fun fight and kudos again to Li Jinglong for taking a fight against yes. a guy who's a, basically a different weight class than him and saying, yeah, you know what? No problem. Of course I'll take that fight. Yeah. Love everything about it. Uh, we can make a pick here. We'll make a pick. AK, I'm sure you want to wax poetic, and then uh, you can go ahead and make a pick after you wax poetic about the greatness that is this fight. Yeah. Yeah. Uh- Listen, like I said, it's it's nice to have a bout that does feel like super relevant, super directly relevant relevant to the rankings. Because um, I mean, yeah, we've talked about how big uh, the co-main could be for Holland. It's a little bit more unclear for Shemaev just because we don't know is he going back to 270? Um, is he stuck at 185? Is it just time to go up to 205? I mean, the guy is friggin' huge. Like we said, he's essentially the new age Anthony Johnson. It just doesn't even make sense that he was competing at 170. So uh, while I think Shemaev is not far off from a title shot. Um, I do wonder how the UFC will view it after he kind of caused this major headache for them. But you're only as good as your last fight. And, you know, if he has a dominant win, who knows? Maybe they fall in love with him again. But Li Jingliang and Daniel Rodriguez are definitely, like, deserving of uh, a bigger showcase. And, yeah, and I'm glad it is on pay-per-view. I'm glad it's not some, you know, um, fight night combing event, which we're kind of like, you know, we're, we're praising, but not, you know, it's not getting the attention that it gets being on what has suddenly become one of the most talked about pay-per-views of the year. Uh, who, who saw that one coming? I mean, we all knew the main event would be big, but now Li Xinglang, such a star again. Yeah, as 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 uh, as Gene said, miss, missing out on getting a shot suit at the press conference, now missing out on a co-main event, hopefully getting paid more money, as is uh, you know the other guys who had their their fights shifted around. Um, so yeah, it's and w- it, w- it would be a nice way for him to cap off this weekend with a, with a win. But I think I'm leaning towards Dan Rodriguez. Uh, I've been a fan of D Rod for a long time. Uh, it is unfortunate that he's had to miss time because of uh, the hand injury. He's a little bit up there in age. He was kind of a late starter in MMA. He's going to be 36 by the end of the year. So while it's good that he doesn't have a lot of mileage on him, again, he is just a little bit older um, just in terms of, of real life years. So I think the time is now for him, I think, and I think he has the skills to get past a guy like Lee. I just think he's a little more technical, maybe a little less uh, power. But uh, I, I do like his technical ability. I do think this one's going to a decision. So because of that, I think if you're going finished, you would go with Lee Jingliang. I think, I think it's going the distance. I think uh, Daniel Rodriguez is going to outbox him in a, in a very, very entertaining fight. Uh, and again, neither guy should lose too much with a loss. Again, it should be competitive. And again, both guys, a lot of praise for accepting this new bout. But I will lean towards uh, Daniel Rodriguez to win his fourth straight fight. Sean, do you agree? Will Li Jingliang be wearing his blue suit after the card? 
celebrating a victory or celebrating because he's still going to be smiling no matter what happens in this fight or he's just going to be celebrating having a good time in the octagon with Daniel Rodriguez but didn't get his hand raised yeah I think I side with a lot of what AK is saying here because ultimately I, I do think Daniel Rodriguez is the better fighter between the two and also I think you know he's going to be the bigger fighter he's going to be the guy who didn't cut down to 170 and was able to maybe enjoy himself a little bit over the past weeks as opposed to, to really making that strenuous cut down to 170 in the welterweight limit so I do I do vote for I, I do side I should say with D-Rod as well um, I think you know it's sort of long time coming for him he, he maybe should have gotten a bigger opportunity sooner but he has been pretty unlucky over the last couple of years in terms of the bookings and injuries and just every, everything sort of going on in his career this is kind of his one chance as ak said he, he is a late bloomer when it comes to mma he is going to be 36 by the end of this year this is sort of his one chance to make that run in this welterweight division and i like his skills like i think he very well could so i am siding with him as well but i cannot praise lee Xingliang enough for taking this fight for rolling with the punches and just dealing with what has been probably for him a very crappy 24 hours whereas the rest of us are seemingly reveling in a lot of this lee Xingliang really did suffer a lot of different you know uh hurdles that he had to go through on the process to 279 so a massive massive credit to him yeah everything you just said i agree with um i'm going d-rod too as a matter of fact before all the chaos i was I mean, I looked at it from a betting line perspective, but I was going to pick D-Rod to be Kevin Holland as well. Um, obviously, things have changed and things are a lot different and things are a lot more heated and the chaos has ensued and chaos reigns supreme. Uh, I just felt like D-Rod was a really good matchup for Kevin uh, and vice versa. I just thought D-Rod could pick him apart on the feet a little bit. His boxing's great. Um, and what Lee does very well from a power perspective, D-Rod does very well from a technique and a volume perspective. And I think that's kind of kind of shine through here. And you're right, Sean, obviously he's going to have the size advantage here. Lee's obviously going to hydrate back up, but D-Rod taking the fight on short notice, it's probably going to be around a buck 90 by the time this fight goes down. So yeah, give me D-Rod to win a fun decision. I think Lee's going to have his moments. I think the third round could get a little hairy for D-Rod, but I think D-Rod ultimately comes away with the, with the 29-28. So we're not going to talk low-key banger because after today, all of these fights are low-key bangers. So let's just go to the people. I'm sure they have a lot of thoughts. They have a lot of opinions. Let's go to Suns Out, Guns Out himself, Mr. 3024, E.K.C. on the ones and the twos. <laughs> what do we got? What are the peeps talking about? All Rocking right. the public enemy, too. I love it. <laughs> you love to see it. Fight the power. Um, Let's talk about and and it's, this seems like it happened a week ago, but this was just less than twenty four hours ago. Yo, oh, right? Yes, there was a press so, conference fight. Are you sure? So, so I feel like I would remember that. Allegedly, 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 yeah. So, for people who don't know, I, I'm sort of the East Coast morning. Oh, Mike and Mike as well. Mike and I are sort of the East Coast morning people, so we're kind of there to get the news, you know, as, as early as possible. And one of our priorities this morning was definitely keep an eye out for. UFC Embedded Episode 5, what will be the most highly anticipated episode of UFC Embedded since uh, Conor McGregor in Brooklyn throwing the dolly at the uh, at the bus, which, again, they're, they're, they did do an Embedded on that, did crazy-ass numbers, the pay-per-view, you know, whatever. That, that, it's an instant that the UFC, like, squeezed for everything they could, squeezed all the publicity out of it that they could. Uh, we thought they would do the same here. So this is since 
in a rare moment, it, it just in today's society, there was somehow no cell because allegedly there was what two hundred and fifty people back there involved in this brawl, right? I, I, what's the number now? What was the final count according to the yeah. reports? Like two hundred fifty <laughs> people. It was a small village. Have you, have you, go to, guys, have, you, have you seen those those YouTube videos that, of the in like Europe? They have like nu- uh, like simulations of medieval battles of like yeah. five hundred people on one side, five hundred people on the other side coming at. That's apparently what was happening backstage at the UFC 279 press conference. And somehow, despite hundreds of people being involved in this melee, not one one bit picture, not one bit of cell phone. Again, everyone was probably too busy fighting for their lives trying to get out of there. But in today's day and age, in the uh, post-world star world, there's there's no footage. Very strange. So people have been wondering for a long time, like, how much of it is true? A lot of weird reports coming in, uh, uh, rumors, hearsay, everything. And uh, but we all thought it'll be at least somewhat cleared up when the UFC drops this embedded episode, uh, and just no embedded episode today. They just I, I we don't know why. We don't know if they're trying to like maybe be you know maybe, oh we don't want to exploit this thing that because the UFC doesn't do that. They don't like to exploit conflict. <laughs> exploit oh, they it. don't do that. We, we don't need to we, now. We got a comedian oh, no. here. We got a comedian. Look at this guy. <laughs> uh, so yeah, everyone who's I, we see like you said, Casey. We see a lot of people questioning. I mean, really for the last like twenty four hours, wh- where is this footage? What's going on? What actually happened? We still don't know, and it's starting to look like we we never will. I don't. So I don't know. Your guys get your guess is as good as mine. But um, UFC certainly not in any hurry to share any footage that they might have. So th- this is very strange and funny to me because there is a video. Like, I know people who have seen the video. There is video. And so, like, I just – I don't know why it's not out yet because you're right. There are, were so many people who are, who are backstage. How does no one grab their phone and just put it on IG stories or whatever, like Twitter or anything? And this wasn't, like, oh, just one sucker punch that everyone just missed. No, this, this was, was like, extended a thing, thing that went for a while. It was an extended yeah. thing. And the fact yeah. that we haven't even seen a public video of maybe like people getting calmed down or like just, you know, maybe the aftermath of the melee or nothing. That is very strange to me because there is video. Like I know for a fact that there is video that has been seen by people of this thing. It is this the, what, the past two days are two of the strangest days that I've ever seen in this sport. It is utter chaos. Yeah, it's just weird. It is weird. Um <laughs> Do, do, do. Oh, um, we were talking about this on the uh, on the morning weigh-ins, and um, yeah, about the weights, and we didn't think that the Leech and D-Rod fight could even happen, so we suggested that, but I guess that the commission just allowed it. Well, the, they weren't going to reward Hamzad with a Diaz fight, and Diaz wasn't going to fight Hamzad. Yeah, that, like, was, there, that was Diaz just tape. straight up. Diaz just straight yeah. up is not. Yeah, but I, but I think I think what Casey's asking is normally there's supposed to be a thing where someone misses weight by a certain amount, and the commission would not clear it. So how come they? You know, just because. Well, so how come it. a guy? Right, it's confusing, right? You're you're operating under an assumption that commissions have rules that they follow, and that generally what? they're going to try to follow their own rules. That's not how this works. You know, Jeez, what are you saying? What are you saying? What are you saying? Hashtag rules rule, just, baby. Yeah. But, some, but not always. Oh my gosh! Just you just call it. it a freaking catch. You just call it a freaking catchweight bite, and that's it. Yeah. Oh, that's what, that's, that's what they did. That's what they did. That's what they did. Made it a 180 pound catchweight fight, and I guess that solved all the problems. But which, by the way, yeah. we might be breaking a record here. Three out of the five pay per view fights are catchweights. That has to be the most in the oh. history of the UFC. Yeah. Right? Like, uh, at least Casey the just got excited. Casey yeah, yeah, got excited. I, 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 had that, I had that question set up, but like, is this the most catchweight fights you've ever seen on a whole in an entire card? Oh. 
thought yeah. you were going to specifically ask about Barnett and Collier. Oh, oh well, I was going to get that later, but <laughs> okay, okay, okay. Well, that's a little tease. That's a little tease. That's for the fan Q and A more. Yes, this is definitely the. I, I uh, listen. I'm sure. I don't know if Michael Carroll is out there throwing some stat out, but six catch rate bouts. Uh, three of them were originally uh, scheduled. If you want to count the Aldana Chiasen one, which was changed at the last second. Um, but yes, six in total now, the final count. Six out of, what is this, 13 fights. That's uh, almost half the card. <laughs> almost half the card. <laughs> turned out three catch rate bouts. Uh, yeah, we've never seen anything like it. So, so Bellator. So Bellator of UFC. Uh, <laughs> just ripping off the competition. Yeah. Um, we've all been pretty positive today, I think. Let's go to this. Let's go to normally positive Joseph Bozo. Kind of, it's kind of being a little negative Nancy today, but let's let's acknowledge this at least. Are people just happy because Nate has a winnable fight now? It's hard to care when the main event is two guys who are combined one and seven in their last eight fights. I mean, we kind of addressed this earlier, but yeah. like, no. So We're, what? People, people are happy that it's not now the main two fights of this of this card are not two assassination attempts on two legends of the sport. Like, I don't want to feel bad when I'm watching my fights on Saturday, and now I'm probably not going to have to feel as bad as I would have watching these fights. That's why people are happy. Also, because Tony Ferguson's deserved an opportunity like this for a long time, mm-hmm. and I'm not going to do this again, but, like, let Tony Ferguson make his damn money. Like, that's great. Yeah. I'm going to say something controversial here that's not going to make people happy. Um, <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> record, records in MMA when we're talking about the quality of fights, uh, don't matter as much as people want to think. It's cool when a guy's 27-0, 28-0, 29-0, but at the end of the day, guys, the, the most important part of, of combat sports is do you want to see two people fight each other? Uh, is this the best timing for this fight? I don't know. Maybe not. But you like, do you, it's Nate Diaz and Tony Ferguson. It's an amazing style matchup. It's two of the biggest fan favorites of the past like decade. What, what, I don't care their three-fight losing streak, four-fight losing streak. Why does that matter? Why, you know these guys are good. This isn't a case where it's like, oh, like we see a fighter and we don't know who they are. Or they have like a 16 and 10 record. They must not be that good. You, doesn't These guys' records don't matter. You know who they are. You know how they're going to fight. So I get it. I get it. It's, it's, it's better when you've got guys on losing streaks and contender implications. That's what people care about so much in today's like, you know, real sports mainstream MMA age. But all that really matters is do you want to see two guys fight? Look at some of the greatest matchups. And you, yeah. you go back to Pride. You have guys on losing streaks and Pride fight each other. Who cares? It's just two guys we want to see fight. And, and yeah. so this is, the, this is if, the epitome of that. If this had never happened, if the last 24 hours had never happened, and 30 years from now or 40 years from now, someone told me, like, hey, Nate Diaz and Tony Ferguson are about to get in a fight at the old folks' home. Like, I'm going to try <laughs> to watch that. Like, I'm going wherever that is or watching it and streaming it instantly on my phone. Like, it's Nate Diaz and Tony Ferguson, man. Like, if you're not excited about it, I'm sorry. I, I think most of us are, probably are. Mm-hmm. I'm just gonna uh, I'm just gonna say this into a live microphone because I'm looking at it right now. Four point three million of you, some of you are probably watching this right now. Four point three million of you bought Floyd Mayweather versus Conor McGregor in a boxing match, and we're complaining about Nate Diaz versus Tony Ferguson punching each other <laughs> in the face in a competitive fight for twenty five minutes. Are you kidding me right now? Are you kidding me right now? Enough is enough. This is gonna be a fun fight. Yes, it's – and by the way, even with the Shemaev booking, it did nothing for either guy. It, just, yes. it was nonsensical. Yeah. If you did Nate Diaz versus Vicente Luque when Nate was like, hey, I'll fight that Luque dude. He's fun. At least Luque could gain something from beating Nate Diaz. What does Hamza gain from beating Nate? He gained nothing. He gained nothing. And Nate's stock doesn't drop. If the UFC has this, hey, I'm going to put him out to pasture kind of thing, Nate's – 
fine. Like people expected him to lose. He's just going to throw the birds up. He's going to walk out of the T-Mobile arena. He's going to go box Jake Paul and make a floppity jillion dollars. So this, <laughs> who cares? Like who floppity cares? Jillion. That why, seems very scientific, so that number. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I t- punched it in the MA fighting computer. Sorry, AK. Um, <laughs> that thing costs so much yeah, money. That thing costs like, so much money. Budget. You can't be like using it. Budget. Really, our yeah. budget, please. 4.3 million million 4.3 million people but floyd mayweather versus conor mcgregor Connor, no chance and anybody who had a half a brain knew that and then 4.6 or 7 million of you but mayweather pacquiao like five years when the after the fight should have freaking happened in the first place so don't talk to me about spending money on winnable fights and guys are past their prime when there's like 10 million pay-per-view buys on the table for floyd mayweather versus conor mcgregor and floyd mayweather versus manny pacquiao five years past the due date come on now get it together Mike is like We're turning Dana here. White red. I love <laughs> you. Thank you, for the, thank you for the question, Why Joseph Rosa. Thank you. I no, love you, no, Joseph. I'm not done. Let now. me add one more thing. Let me add one more thing. Because like Casey, you and I in particular came up in the era of Pride, right? Yeah. And what was what was one of the best things about Pride? Not everything has to be about titles. Not everything yeah. has to be about championships. Not everything has to be about rankings and meritocracy. Like things can just be fun for the sake of being fun. And this is fun for the sake of fun. Why are we mad at that? Well, this should be MMA should be more like this. I want every type of, of legend, in, like fading legend, to be having these type of fights rather than feeding Tony Ferguson to like Jake Matthews or whoever. Like, let's just have fun because fun things are fun. And I don't know why you'd be against fun. Like, that's all. That's all I'm saying. Ultimate fun championships, people. That's why they call it UFC. Jeez. We are, we are we so just, much. Can we just we are, like things? Yeah. Like, come on. We are so much more fired up about this card than we were at the, uh, like last week. Let me this tell you that right now. This is so much better than yeah. it was Dude, 24 if hours people, ago. If Dude, people I, could have I, seen I, the, I, our meetings, like our meetings <laughs> we had about this card a week ago, it was a little grim. I'm gonna, <laughs> it, I, I will paint you a grim picture. Uh, that, that's all I'll say. It was not. We weren't like this this uh, loud. I'll tell you that. You right know, during the we were having during, internal we were having internal yeah. fights about who could cover social gloves instead of watching this <laughs> that is a real thing <laughs> he's not joking I'll be like, what a, what a, no that's real i no one asked this about no one asked but were you were you um surprised or i don't know the word is for the face-off between nate and um tony it was very um very respectful very um yeah, very martial artsy. I don't know. I didn't want to call it. It, was, it, was, it, was, it was no me mugging. It was nothing. It was, it was actually it was something I wanted. I, I didn't want them to fake it because they're, they're gonna, they're gonna, they're gonna have their mean faces on tomorrow. We know that. But I think today, I think both of them just had a lot of respect for the other person right in front of them. I, I don't know. Did you get that feeling? The way into oh, that, uh, the, uh, the ceremonial way Yeah. Hundred percent. It's two legitimate living legends who have invested most of their lives into this game right like just martial artists to the core who would be doing martial arts regardless of ever, whether this exists or not like absolutely i think there's tons of mutual respect and nate even said it like tony ferguson is a g and, to, and nate's a g like they, they are the ogs of this division at this point and like it, they deserve to have this type of thing i still love you joseph boza i still yeah love yeah you. And and I, I know you do like boza absolutely it's a fair question if if my little brother walked in here right now and said that, I'd be like, "Get the hell out of my house!" <laughs> so, uh, all right. Uh, you know, one more question because I think this fight is a very important fight to talk about, but of course, doesn't have the shine. But let's talk about uh, the ladies' fight on the pay per view card. Is a title shot on the line between Irene Aldana and Macy Chieson, considering Macy can't make one thirty-five? I mean, can. to me, yeah. yeah I mean, 
Yeah, to me, it was always like if Aldana won and did so impressively, she gets her name in the discussion with like Caitlin Vieira and I guess in, in some respects, Juliana Pena because she just was the champion before losing to Amanda Nunes. But I don't know, man. Like, do you think there's title implications here, AK? Like, do you think if, let's just say, Macy Chiesan goes in and wins a decision against Irene Aldana, do you think the UFC is going to rush her into a title fight with Amanda Nunes? And on the flip side, if Aldana goes in there and just has a great performance, maybe stops Macy Chiesan, does she jump to the front of the pack? I will say it's. I do think uh, yes, Macy has had trouble, uh, and maybe she. She, but the, she has made the, the, the catchweight was what, the catchweight was on Macy's side, by the way. Yes, uh, according to yes, uh, Dan, yeah. our pal Danny Segura, our pal Danny Segura did. I was uh, mentioned that earlier. I saw him tweet that. Uh, that out. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So um, yes, in that so there is their case to be made, but she did make it several times in the past. Um, I think this kind of taking short notice fights, kind of jumping in between weight classes, has been really bad for her. Uh, she went up for a fight with Raquel Pennington on short notice, and then she fought again at 145 against uh, Norma Dumont. I think if she, I, I, and it's great. I think being able to take fights in two weight classes is good for you, like you know, career-wise. But I think if she really is focused on getting a title shot at 135. I mean, you just have to stop taking those fights. Um, I get it. You got to stay busy. Everyone's got to eat. Um, but hopefully, she gets a you know a string of good luck with health-wise and opponent, you know, logical opponents for her, and can stay at 135. I haven't quite given up on her making it. She is big for the division, but um, not so big that I don't think she can. Again, she made it several times in the past. Um, we actually put together a decent kind of cluster of wins there. Um, yeah, uh, definitely Aldana more likely to get the mm-hmm. title shot. She's higher ranked. She's more well known. She's fought the tougher competition. She's I mean, she's got some losses in there. Holly Holm, that's fine. Everyone loses to Holly Holm, 135. But just the fact that she was booked against her kind of tells you how highly they view uh, Irina Aldana. A fan-friendly style. Um, yeah, so she puts on an impressive performance, like a, like almost like a Whitaker versus Vittori type performance, like a little a little three-round masterclass. Uh, yeah, she'll remind people very quickly um, that she belongs. And again, she's another person who, yes, this fight, 140, her last fight, she missed weight. I think she'll be okay. I just think there's been injuries and issues with you know being able to stay healthy that get in the way of making weight um i could be wrong i could be wrong maybe neither uh arena or macy can consistently make 135 anymore but assuming they can then yes aldana is definitely closer and uh, a fresh matchup for for our men and so uh yeah i would look forward to that i really kind of hope that that happens though uh, though macy's a good talent as well john any anything to add to that no, I think that was pretty thorough. I, I, like I said, like AK said, I think Irina Aldana, this is mostly about her and whether she can be sort of the next person at 135. Yeah, I agree. All right. Two last things I want to say before we get out of here. One, Tony Ferguson told Megan Olivi during their backstage little interview after the weigh-ins that during the backstage brawl, he offered Nate Diaz a mint. So maybe just his <laughs> kind-hearted giving nature helped lead the MMA gods to shining oh the spotlight upon us. How can you um, not love this man? Come on, people. Like, this fight's just so much better now. Uh, just Who's your favorite that. Ninja Turtle? <laughs> I'm Leonardo. Come on. And the last thing, the the last thing I do want to say, because I know this was a, this is a card that was kind of like mired in weight misses and stuff like that. And I know that's a big storyline heading into this, but there was one weight miss that I do want to say. And I know, especially AK, we've talked about this a lot and on to the next one that we, we typically really penalize weight misses. We're not big fans of it. It's unprofessional, all that stuff, but once in a while, I'm willing to forgive it. And for the beast boy, Chris Barnett, I'm willing to offer that up right now because, I mean, I'm not I'm not going to go into everything that's going on with him. You could just go on the internet and look it up for himself. The guy's gone. The guy's had a friggin' horrible year. He's had a lot of loss, a lot of tragedy within his family and within his life. 
and the guy's still showing up, dancing at the freaking ceremonial weigh-ins, missed weight by a pound and a half. With everything that this man has gone through this year, personal tragedy and all, I'm willing to to give the man a pass on this one. You so know, and, 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 uh, and, I'm not going to rip him apart. Yeah. And missing weight created what I think, in at least the modern era of the UFC, the heaviest fight we're ever gonna, we've ever seen in the UFC. Two six. You're just waiting. You were just Two, waiting. So you, so I God so God okay. bless you, Huggy Bear. God bless okay. you. I I hope you're doing great, and I hope you have fun it's tomorrow because night. If two fight theoretically, if two fighters weighed in at two sixty six at the limit, that would be what five thirty two. Is my math correct there? Someone sure, check my yes. math on this. So I guess this is this you, would be you're like right. this would be what point five point five over that because uh, Chris Burnett came in five thirty three five thirty three and a half baby. Yes, wow. fight in the UFC. Wow, history is being See? made. History. Chris Barnett, thank you, thank you for helping us make history. Hamza thank Shemai, you, Chris Barnett. Thank and- you. And UFC, you're welcome for us bringing that up and getting you some some big pay per view buys there to see the to see the heaviest yeah. fight in modern UFC history. Yeah, I want to see I want to see that factoid come across the screen. Yeah. <laughs> yes, you can spend your money buying pizza and then clicking on their remote, putting on ESPN News, and you can watch Chris Barnett versus Josh uh, Jay Collier, which should be a lot of fun. So, listen, this has been. I don't think we'll ever forget this day. I don't think we'll ever forget this day, if we're being honest. And uh, I feel like this this energy is going to carry into tomorrow. And I can't wait to talk about it tomorrow with you. How much talking have you done? A lot. I've done a lot. So, yeah, (laughs) a a whole lot. So much talking. And then yesterday, a lot of talking, too. So I'm going to eat some pizza and go to sleep. That's what I'm going to do. So thank you very much for watching. Thank you for following along with us all day long. We'll be back at 5.15 Eastern tomorrow, 5.15 p.m. Eastern. Uh, people's pre-fight show to get you ready for the chaos we're going to put a cherry on top of this chaos sunday so for shaheen for ak for ekc Leiden, i am mike heck get some rest big day tomorrow we'll see you then we love you guys you're listening to the vox media podcast network the bellator champion series is back in action friday may 17th live from Paris, France. Reigning bantamweight champ Patchy Mix defends his belt in a rematch against dangerous submission specialist Magomed Magomedov. And Cedric the Best Doombay makes his Bellator debut in front of a home Paris crowd versus Jaleel the Realist Willis. Don't miss the action live at noon EST on HBO here in the US. And visit bellator.com watch for information on how to watch around the world. This is the very first time you'll be able to stream a Cedric Doombay fight here in the U.S., so make sure you don't miss it.